We live in a world of two extremes. Extreme poverty on one end and extreme overconsumption on the other. Imagine if business could truly eradicate some of the world's most pressing issues. Imagine if we could balance the scales. Could we save humanity and the planet in the process? Big questions that we're deep diving into today with Daniel Flynn, co-founder of Thank You, who produced personal care products for the sole purpose of funding life-changing projects and who you might have seen or heard a little bit about recently with their global campaign asking Unilever and Procter & Gamble if they want to join for the ride. It's time to live wide awake. Hey, it's Steph Dixon, and welcome to the Live Wide Awake podcast. This is a podcast about climate change and consciousness, sustainability and spirituality. Each week, a special concoction for your listening pleasure so that you can lead your most conscious life. We're going to be talking about fascinating yet sometimes complicated topics and breaking them down into digestible chunks so that we can live wide awake. If you haven't already, do hit that subscribe button. And if you love what you're hearing, consider supporting us on Patreon. I've always been a big believer that small steps make big impact. What started in 2018 by a group of university students has grown into a movement of millions of people taking small steps to create big change. Today, Thank You has raised over 17 million Australian dollars for impact partners serving the world's poorest populations and helping over 857,000 people across 22 countries. And today we're speaking to the co-founder, Daniel Flynn, and what a treat you are in for him. He is super switched on, grounded, and really the aspirational leader that I aspire to be one day. We went deep looking at the dark side of business, why purpose is the fuel we all need to tap into, why you have to face the soft stuff because it helps you with the hard stuff, what Thank You's secret weapon is, and so much more. Daniel, thank you so much for joining us today. Hi, it's so good to be here. Thank you. I'd love to start at the beginning. Maybe you can tell us how Thank You was born. Yeah, look, I mean, the best stories kind of have humble beginnings. And we were, I mean, we were in Melbourne, Australia. I'd never traveled to developing countries before. So my only context of extreme poverty was, I mean, I sponsored a child through World Vision. And actually at 19, I kind of thought that was a pretty good effort, which is not something to be proud of. But back then, I just, this wasn't my frame of mind at all. My co-founder, Justine, very different story. I mean, she traveled to developing countries from the age of 12, she'd seen extreme poverty firsthand. You know, for her, it was like, well, this is wrong. And she loved business. And when she grew up, she wanted to make a difference. I just loved business. You know, I was like, it's so, I was enamored by a lot of it, to be honest. And not not necessarily all good things, but I had this kind of moment that led to a series of moments when I was 19. And it was confronting because here I was with these great ambitions in business and money and uh, and I'm watching stories of kids online and they don't have access to clean water, but some of them are losing their brothers and sisters to waterborne disease. And it was actually that concept that just it hit a nerve. Like I, I kind of for a moment put myself in their shoes and went, well, if that was me and I'd watched my sisters die from the water, I was collecting them. Like how as a brother or a family member, how do you A, process that? B, how do we live in a world where that's still a thing? And it really is. Like there was 4,500 children dying every day from waterborne disease. 
you know, I've had clean, healthy tap water my whole life. I don't, I, you know, I don't understand it. And, and, it, and probably the, the aha moment for the founding of Thank You was, I mean, simply put one world to extremes. You know, you've got extreme poverty. People don't have basic human rights like water and food. There was pre the pandemic, 736 million people living in extreme poverty. And on that same planet that we call home, you know, we spend collectively $63 trillion on stuff, consumer product, you know, and uh, yeah, I feel like I, I know a bit about business, but I, I don't even know how big that number is really. It's just insane. And so thank you started from imagine if, imagine if there was a world where the products we chose, you know, ended something that shouldn't exist. And that was extreme poverty. And we really, it's like we saw that and we couldn't unsee this concept. And so like we're 19 and we're like, that could be a, a product and that could be a product. And we, we love this name, thank you, because it just, it said gratitude. It also felt like, could you call a brand or a product or a company? Thank you. You know, like we, we were like, probably not, but what if we just did? And we just maybe naively went into this utopian world of this could change everything. And then basically we've spent the last 12 years chasing down that mission. And some days we've had some pretty big wins and other days it's, we've had some pretty big lows. Wow. Beautiful. There's so much that I want to unpack there. And I love the young naivety as well, because I think, you know, probably like myself, if you knew all the stuff you would have gone through back then, would you have done it? (laughs) And, and, And I kind of, I mean, we talk about it as a team, like we're fighting to keep the naivety because even as I quote unquote grow up, like literally my cousin this morning on Instagram, she's like, like messaging me, I'm like Google Translate. What is she like the next generation? It's going over my head. And I just like that naivety. They're like not understanding how the world works. Whilst some people tell you, well, therefore you can't step into the arena and create change. But part of me wonders if it's the prerequisite for creating change is not truly understanding necessarily the system. And I don't mean don't learn. Like at Thank You, probably our our secret weapon is learning. We Google, we listen, we sit down with people, we try and understand, but we approach it with that beginner's mindset. And I think think that's a a real key for anyone listening who's like, I don't know enough. Boom. Perfect. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Beginner's mindset. Always come back to a beginner's mindset. I want to go back to what you mentioned about one world, two extremes and why you think that business is so broken and why you think that we are living in a world where there's obscene consumption on one side and then extreme poverty on the other side. Like how is this still even happening today? It's sort of the deep darkness of humanity in my personal view, you know, and like, like I I don't have an issue with someone if they've got money. That to me is not the issue. It's how you use it. You know, that's the challenge. And so I have birds in the background that sound like pterodactyls. Um, If anyone can hear that. It's, it's the issue is not having money, it's how you spend it. And one of the interesting things about business, if we go back in the day, business actually started out with, and this is going to sound very boring textbook stuff, but it started with a stakeholder view. In other words, you know, it's about this is here, this business is here to serve your employees, your community, and your shareholders. But then business started to take a darker turn And it became less about the employees and the community. And it had this shareholder view and shareholder view at all cost. And the shareholder view became more important 
than the community view, than the employee view. And, and here enters the dark age of business where it just became dark. And some people made a lot of money off the pain of a lot of others. And, and what's happening right now is there's a real resurgence in this business world to social business, to, you know, the movement of B Corp and people going, hang on, let's go back to the kind of where this was meant to begin. And some of the kind of the Cadbury, I just thought Cadbury was chocolate. Turns out when you dig into the depths of the Cadbury history, some people that, you know, wanted to look after their local community and they built a business around it. And, and I think, you know, we are a social enterprise and we think that business can be a force for change. It's not easy, but I think, I think it can be. And I think we have to write this wrong, which is the inequality gap, uh, you know, between extreme wealth and extreme poverty. And I, I think the thank you approach is cool. The system's working. Like if, if, we, were, if we were like stop capitalism, I don't know, it, the system works. And it works for some people. And so they continue to perpetuate it. Could we enter that system, re-engineer parts of it and actually make it make a difference? Yes, we can. And that's our journey. Yeah. Thank you for, for sharing and deep diving. And so let's continue on that journey because I know that you've had to come across the system as well um, yeah. through your, you know, the last 12 years of the company. And there was something that I read online that you said that at an individual level, your competitors like what you do, but at a commercial level, it's been a battle of your life going head to head with the system. So can you unpack what that journey has been like and why the system has been so tough? There was a couple of things in particular, you know, that launches that should have taken six months, took four years. So I'd love to deep dive a little bit more into that yeah and look, this does play into the naivety a little bit people said like do you realize who you're going up against I'm like yeah like huge companies and we're gonna win it's gonna be awesome and and it, you know i love that we had that attitude but you know these are established markets and established systems and you know when we started out i actually originally was like all the big companies are bad we're good you know, and good beats bad, let's go. And actually, the more we kind of grew up and got to know people in the industry and got to watch some of these companies, we realized, huh, they're not actually bad. In fact, some of them are making some really huge leaps in sustainability, in ethics and supply chain. And to be honest, when you meet people, they're like, I've been in this company for 20 years and I believe in change and I'm going all in. And I started to see, and we started to see a different side of it. And we're like, you guys like what we do? Yeah, it's amazing. Well, cool, because we like that part of your supply chain. We like that. And it's this really weird world because then when you go onto the supermarket shelf, commercially, we are fighting for the same one meter of shelf space. And it is an absolute fight. You know, if anyone thinks, oh, you know, products just get there, they, they earn their space every minute of every day. And, and we've had to, thank you, become a very disciplined product company that is really focused on winning in a market that is very, very commercially driven. And so if you kind of got to know our team, you'd be like, wow, you guys are really commercial. We have to be. It's the game we're playing. And we have played that game. Some days we've won. So our personal care range, we've got the number one hand wash uh, in Australian supermarkets. We have the highest loyalty in the category. We have like a really strong business unit. But we kind of snuck our way to that position. When we got to a really strong position, it's like all of a sudden the rest of the industry was like, cool, thank you, is a bit of a threat. Now, I say that anecdotally. I've heard it around the traps, but I can tell you the last four years of our story proved it. I mean, we launched into the baby category four years ago. 
And if you're listening thinking, baby products, what a lovely category to be in. Yes, but also one of the hardest fought for because it turns out, like, yeah, it's, here's how I could sum it up in Australian context. So globally, there are two nappy companies or diapers, depending where you're listening from. So that's Pampers and Huggies. And you either have a Huggies country or Pampers country. And and that's how the world works. In Australia, it's a Huggies country. Uh, Pampers have failed every single launch. So get that. The biggest nappy diaper company in the world has failed every launch into Australia. We entered the market thinking we could get in and we were right. We got in. We had a 10% market share shift, which was like it was our most successful launch. But then competitors do what they do. They've got to protect shelf space at all costs. I mean, it's their business. It's their, it's their model. And so we experienced the next two hardest years of our life and we nearly lost the whole thank you vision in the process. And I guarantee, well, part of me thinks there's not one person in the industry that would have hoped that thank you would end, but they've got a job to do. Sell product, sell more than last year, meet shareholder demand, that's the way it works. So we have found it really tough, particularly the further we've gone along. New Zealand was absolutely crazy. We launched, you would have thought we were trying to take over the whole world in one move. We were just trying to launch in a market of 4 million people, but it was like every competitor, and there's a lot of them, deep dives and discounting, huge promotional spends. And we kind of launched well, got drowned out, and it's hard because... The 19-year-old Daniel, the 21-year-old Justine, when we started this, we had this vision of a world where the products you purchase exist to make a difference. And 12 years in, it's like we're we're seeing the whole vision getting choked out. And, And I think that's discouraging, but like at Thank You, we're not stopping. And so we went real deep. Is there another way forward? Thank you so much for sharing in in such detail as well. I think it's, I love the the honesty and the openness about it and just, yeah, that you didn't let it get you down, which I think is is the most admirable thing of the whole story. And you made some pretty unusual business decisions like walking away from millions of dollars with your first product, which was Thank You Water, not taking equity or dividends from the company, which you openly say doesn't necessarily mean that you have a better business model. It's just different. So I was curious, you know, what kind of guides you to make these decisions and how has your business pivoted over these years aside from the examples you've already shared? Maybe so much of this goes back to the youthfulness of the founding of this because we had this really big vision. Some people are like, did you ever think Thank You would get this big? And we're kind of, in one hand, we're like, oh, it's really exciting that we're here and we're really grateful for it because we are and it's truly remarkable. But the other part of it is like, if we're honest, we thought we'd be here after year one and it's nowhere near where it should be, right? So that's our wrestle. But we are really here to play the long game. And the, the, the long game is a long game. It's about making really good decisions and being here tomorrow, not just sort of for a few minutes today. Now, they sound like really nice sentences. They're very hard to live out, but we are here. We are not going anywhere. And that's something we resolved very early on. And I think the further we get into thank you for Justine and I anyway, we are like, we're all in. And that means that like I think often businesses and one of the great traps in business and modern business is everyone's working to the shareholders' quarterly updates and your share price changes every, every few days. And it's, it's, it's a very short game. 
views aside on Amazon, Jeff Bezos is someone who played a long game, a 20-year journey of like people saying, well, you're not profitable yet and your business model's flawed. He played this sort of long, long, long game and it paid off to be one of the most valuable and powerful companies in the world. I think we, you know, we see the benefit of the long game, you know, and we might lose some money today on a decision based on ethics and a decision based on, you know, what we think is right. Our big bet is that one day that will pay off. You know, I think one of those things is like, and we're not perfect at thank you. I mean, I can tell you all the flaws. They're just, there's a, a list a mile long, but we, we really do wrestle over decisions and we try and make good ones because we want people to not just buy our product today, but really come on a journey over the next few decades, because that's when I think we'll create the real change. Absolutely. And I spent a lot of time actually devouring your website and okay. I was impressed at your honesty, at the openness again, you know, listing down all the different aspects with drop downs. So you have like the high level overview for people that just want to scan and then you can click and it drops down and you can deep dive. And I think that's great, you know, um, that you're so transparent, I guess, about, you know, and I love, you know, you actually say, this is what we're good at. This is what we're average at. And this is where we're dissatisfied. And it's great that you're, you know, reflecting the light back on yourselves and being open to your followers and your community about that. And so I think what was also interesting now is part of this long game that you're talking about is also this entirely different way of distributing your products with your part two of your plan. So maybe you can kind of unpack a little bit about that and why you've decided to take a very different path. Yeah. Look, we sat back. And after over a decade of watching some of the biggest companies in the world go all in on purpose, the question I often ask is, is purpose the paint someone's trying to paint the outside of something with, or is it the fuel on the inside? And the fundamental difference is you'll see decisions made that may hurt short-term profit, but for long-term sustainable gain for the world, right? For the entire stakeholder, not just shareholder. We've watched some really tough calls that you know, Unilever, credit to them, P&G, others, Colgate, Rickett, Ben Kaiser, these companies that were kind of like the competitors were like, good move and consistently. And so we're sitting here going, we're fighting head to head with these companies. And some of them are actually doing things in a way that we wish we had the scale to do, but we don't have the scale to do it. I think one of the myths of small versus big is we think small automatically can be more ethical or sustainable. And that may be the ambition, but sometimes small businesses do not have the scale to be able to hit the sustainability and hit the ethics. And we've seen that. And hand on heart, we have to go, so ethically, what's the best way to scale thank you globally? And, and we sat back going, well, what if we flip this whole game on its head? We compete with people who are all on purpose. They've said it and we've watched them actually kind of step up over the years. On top of that, they've got hundreds of factories. They make products for billions of people. And so if you're following our story, we just launched the boldest move ever. We called it uh, No Small Plan because we just couldn't come up with another name. And we sent the two biggest product companies on the planet, also our competitors, an invitation. And it's an invitation to you know, make and distribute thank you product at global scale. Now, if you're listening and wondering, is thank you just sold out? No. In fact, we, we know that these companies buy companies often. They never partner with them in the way that we're proposing, which is what is the risky move we're taking. But we're saying you can't own thank you. No one ever can. But we're inviting you to make and distribute because we already pay manufacturers. We pay distributors locally. 
And if we scale globally, we'd be doing the same. So there is no harm in our model in them getting paid for the part they play, but the part we play, well, we get to make the money, we commit that to our impact partners. Now, it's a bit of a revolutionary model because imagine we turn up to not New Zealand, but let's say America, or right now we had like 50 media features in India in the last two days, <clears throat> 25 in Japan. I mean, this thing's just taken off in countries we didn't even plan for it to. But let's say we hit India tomorrow or Japan tomorrow. But instead of thank you turning up as this little minnow of an organization up against five, six, seven of the biggest companies in the world, it's now got the backing of one of the biggest companies in the world. And for those listening, one of the big two may take it. We have also invited nine others to look at this. They are not quite as big, but they're still global. We think if we turn up with the power of that, plus the mission, plus the movement, well, that little idea we had when we were young about a world where the products we choose every day could exist for change at global scale, that will become a reality 12 months, 18 months from today. So we've gone all in on this. Yeah, we've got a big few weeks ahead. Yeah, and it was it's such an inspiring campaign and video. I love the huge thinking. Exactly. No small plan indeed. It really gave me a lot of hope. Totally made my week in terms of just, you know, believing in humanity again and having something exciting to to look forward to and to follow along and cheer you guys along. And I think one of the things I really liked is in the video you said, you know, people might be thinking, well, what if this doesn't work? Which you flipped around saying, well, what if it does? And I think you guys have obviously got a very, very strong mindset and mantra that you kind of run the company with. So I was just wondering, is this kind of mindset something that you've had the whole time? Or, you know, also when you've been faced with these challenges, knockbacks and struggles, like how do you power through the other side? You know, we, we're, we're 12 years into our story. And if you followed us with a GoPro camera the whole time, you'd be like, oh, wow, these guys are very human. They, they tried to quit this thing too many times. You know, like... Like I think in a podcast or in a film, it's like, man, okay, these guys have got a real resolve and we do, but it's also come from moments of just completely feeling like we're, we're not enough and we don't have enough to get up and go again, or we feel burnt out. You know, Jesse and I have been pretty open about kind of burnout journeys when we were about 10 years, sorry, 10 years into our story. I've been trying so hard. We both just burnt out in our own kind of way. And she ended up having about a year off. I had a few months off. In that time, we could have come back and said, cool, we're done. But actually, we came back re-energized, revived. But man, you know, we've had our dark days. I think what grounds us is a couple of things. And this is really critical. You know, and, and I wish I could tell you, there's just a book, read it, and then you'll be good to go. There's no hack to this. It, it, it's a very like self-reflecting journey. It's a very personal thing. But when you truly know your purpose or why you do something, and even if you can't put the perfect sentence to it, but when you know it, purpose is like, well, actually, I just referenced paint on the outside or fuel on the inside. It's like fuel. It's like oxygen. It's like water. And, and at the same time, to just keep using a million analogies, I love the, 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 the metaphor of the doll. I think they're called boo-boo dolls. I can't remember. I played with it as a kid, but you knock it over and it has a weight at the bottom. And so it bounces straight back up. And, and, and you can knock that doll over as many times as you want, but it just it comes up. And that's because it has this weight. Justine and I would talk about that weight as when you know your purpose, why you're doing something, you'll get up and go again and again and again and again. 
And even if his campaign completely failed and everyone laughed and said, you are the, you know, idiots. You just, you should never have dreamed that big. Well, you have no idea because we've got something coming. Do we know what it is? No, but we'll figure it out and we'll, we'll get there. And that comes from purpose is more than cause. And, and, and that's just the point. Cause for us, the end of extreme poverty and helping people, that's part of it. But I think it just goes real deep and we could probably spend an hour unpacking how do we look at purpose. I would sum it up as trying to live a life for others, you know, but in that like our, 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 our history kind of has the thread of that. Like I'm talking about sitting in front of my computer. That was a moment, but I've had heaps of moments like personal faith and I just spirituality. That's a really big deal for us personally. Now we don't try and put that on anyone. The moment you start talking about it, it just, everyone gets freaked out, but I'm telling you, it's about going deep, real deep. So our faith, our beliefs, our, and some people be like, that's the soft stuff. Tell me like, what's the key in business or in social enterprise? Well, actually it's the soft stuff that is the hard stuff. Because if you've got that right, and, and, and here's one for me. Oh, man. If I could go back to 19-year-old Daniel and up to 29-year-old Daniel, I cared so much about what people thought about me. It's too much. Like, and, like, I wouldn't say I did, but I did. I actually started about two years ago on this epic self-journey discovery with, with my psychologist. Um, he, his name's Stu. I probably shouldn't mention his name. It's probably confidential, but like, he's just, he was a gift to me. I didn't want to see anyone because I'm a strong leader, man. I had all these, Justin's like, yeah, you're having some pretty heavy thoughts. Just talk to someone. I, I did like one session. And in this one session, I think he spotted that I wasn't coming back. <laughs> and I, to be honest, I wasn't. I just thought I'll tick the box. He said, Daniel, you keep telling me you have a fear of failure. I don't know if it's that. I was like kind of leaning in like, what is it? He's like, I don't usually tell people in the first session, you know, like you meant to kind of unpack this, but I think you have, maybe it's a fear of rejection. Like, what if people rejected you? And I just start crying. And I'm like, what? what? Where's the tears? And I'm, I'm like, I cried the whole way back to the office. When I got to a meeting, my assistant's like, your eyes. She's like the only one that knew about my secret meeting. And, and I'm like, okay. And it just got to me. And we unpack over this journey. And it was the most incredible thing because here I am thinking the key to thank you's growth is like better business models and all the kind of fundamentals. But actually, a lot of it's internal. And my kind of obsession about trying to make sure everyone was happy. So I could leave a speaking engagement of 5,000 people and you could be like, Daniel, that was really good. And I may not tell you, but I'd be like, oh, I saw these two people leave early and I saw their facial expression before. Was it how I said what I said? Or was it what I wore? And like, you'd be like, what? <laughs> But that was me. And I didn't even realize that was me. And so I share that story. And I've, I've probably overshared here, but I'm, I'm kind of like, look, I feel like one of the biggest keys to everyone's own journey is like, go deep on the soft stuff on the inside. Because now as we stand up to the world with an idea, with respect, I don't really care what people think. And there's some people right now on all the socials going, you've dreamt too big, whatever. We have a plan. And to be honest, 
And we've just had more media features in the history of the entire organization in 28 countries. And this thing's gaining momentum and we're moving forward. So sorry for my long answer. I haven't slept enough, but <laughs> I should stop talking. Please don't apologize. That was that was really needed, I think. And it, you know, kind of answered my next question anyway, because and I, I love the fact that you're able to speak about these kind of things so openly because it's so important. And with this podcast and, and with what we do at Green is New Black, we look at conscious living. You know, we're looking at the inside and the outside and our actions. It's all massively interlinked. And yeah. so I guess maybe in particular for someone that's struggling a little bit or feel beaten by the system, exhausted from the way that this very heavy year that we've been having or worried yeah. about the future of the planet, you know, what are a few, I guess, more actionable things or yeah. even spiritual things? things. I mean, we love talking about consciousness and spirituality. So what are some things that were like, you know, you can just list them out. Um, we're really game changing on that journey of personal development for you. Look, I think, uh, the world is dark right now. Um, one of the things we love at thank you. And I remember driving to work literally when the pandemic started and Justine and I were talking, she's just like, I feel like we just need to turn our social channels into stop talking about product and let's just talk about hope. Like she's like, I feel like hope is the antidote to uncertainty. And like that just stuck with me because hope again is a soft word concept. Oh, hope. But hope is like it's light and darkness. And so I would say to people listening, find hope. My one of my hopes in this campaign is that it is hope. It's just a cool drink of water in a messed up world that's completely upside down. This campaign doesn't change and solve everything, it's just one thing. But hope's important. So find people, find organization, find glimmers and hold on to them. Right? That's really critical. And, and if you're sitting in your room, you're like, where do I start? You know, I would encourage, like, I, I've had to go off social media many times. In fact, in the lead up to this campaign, I went off all social media for a couple of months. I just was like, I just, I need the space. Create space. Look for hope and then lock onto it. And that means you have to lock on. Maybe you need to stop reading about the latest COVID numbers. That's not to say that COVID and all that's not important, but like where your focus is, you end up. So if you can find hope and lock onto that, that's a step forward. Uh, I think be willing to go deep and ask questions. You know, I, I started saying to some people, I'm like, so you're in a high pressure role or situational decision and you don't have a counsellor? you must be crazy. Like I was just sort of having fun with it all, but it's like, we should be talking to people. Like, let's take the lid off that, you know, let, let's, you know, and maybe it's a colleague or a friend or a family, or maybe it's a professional. And I can tell you, I have been quietly surprised with, okay, cool. So you did study how minds work for years and now you're playing it back to me. And I personally love it. I'm like, this is, I needed this. So get it but it costs money. And what about the future? Let me tell you, the future is unknown, but it is also what we make it. And, and I think rather than like, I'm just going to hold on to everything right now because I don't know what tomorrow is, I would, I would almost have a different approach and say, well, I'm going to invest a little bit in me. I am going to buy that book. I am going to sign up to something. I am going to invest a little in today because I know that if I can go deep on who I am and why I'm here, and that's actually going to, that's going to be a weight moving forward. And, and we all need that. And my final kind of message on that is the watch out is I bought the book. I listened to the podcast. I've asked the questions. I still don't know. Am I a failure? No, you're on the journey. 
congratulations, you know, you're on a journey. And some people I feel like figure out in their 50s or 60s or 70s why they are here. But the day they do, it's incredible. And so I, I think we have to take the pressure off. Don't listen to the podcast and be like, they got it figured out when they were 19, I'm older. Like we've just, we've got to start taking that off and realize we're each uniquely on our own journey. That was really fantastic. Thank you. I think, yes, it's so important to realize this is a journey. It's a marathon, not a sprint. You know, you had some fantastic advice and one-liners in there and I love all your analogies. I'm a huge analogy person. So throughout okay. this conversation, okay. it's been fantastic. Uh, so final question, um, what are some little green steps? So this is more, I've been zooming out a little bit, um, you know, really focusing and honing in on little green steps that are maybe game-changing for you or that you think collectively will have a big impact that people should be taking? So, look, I think a little step is to create more space in our life to think, to allow more space for thought. Um, I have a day of fortnight. I call it my blue sky day. And, and yes, we run a business, social enterprise, it's busy, but it's a day of fortnight where I'm like off. When I say off, I'm like reading, writing, thinking, dreaming. It's a place of spirituality, of rest, of and, and by creating space, I get some of the best ideas. I kind of think about problems differently. And I kind of wonder if in this sort of hyper-connected age, we've lost the art of just creating space to think. So that's a small step. It could be applicable at the end of this podcast. You just have an hour just to create some space. But those little things I think are really critical. So that's one. I think the other one is just knowing that small steps do equal big change not small steps don't matter. So the product you purchase, the organization you back, it matters and it does. And it's kind of the culmination of these little steps that lead to pretty fulfilling lives and pretty impactful lives. And that's the, yeah, I don't know. I th- I so, so like, you know, and, and then probably a final thought is that like you do you like, <laughs> so I think, I think it's, it's about focusing on what you are, really passionate about and also maybe what upsets you and being okay to focus on that and then create space for others who are focusing on what they're, what moves them and what drives them. And then together, like uniting on like, we're both passionate about all different things. And so some people I often meet are like all in on on humanitarian and others are all in on, on environmental. And the cool thing is there is so much crossover, but then sometimes I hear debates. I'm like, no, 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 no. We are all working together to a better world. Let's create space. Let's let a campaign get the limelight today and another one get the the limelight tomorrow. And let's back each other in this versus debate over, well, no, this is more important than that. And, And so, yeah, that's kind of my final call out is like go all in on what is moving you and driving you and then create space for what others are doing. And then let's kind of unite on, on, on purpose, which is actually really broad. Yeah, I think that's a really nice way of looking at it and a nice reminder that everything is intersectional and everything has crossover. And at the end of the day, we need to be much more supportive, collaborative than competitive. So a great note to end on. Well, Daniel, thank you so much for spending time with us. I'm super inspired and in awe of what you've built, but also, you know, the personal struggles that have gone along with it and how, you know, well-rounded um, you and the company are. So it's, it's an inspiration to me. Uh, Thank you so much. And thanks for reading the website. We did work hard on that. So I'm glad someone's gone deep. (laughs) Thank you. I hope that today's conversation stirred something deep within you ready to awaken. 
If you enjoyed today's episode, do hit that subscribe button and consider supporting us. Until next time, live wide awake.